NFL week five is underway, and that means it's time to break down our best prop bets for the rest of the slate. I'm your host, Matt Landis, here to do just that, along with pro better hitman and our producer, Jacob. And guys, I'll admit right now, it's been a rough start to the season for me and more of the same with a rough start to week five. Last night, pretty tilting loss on my end with Matt Ryan pass yards under 231 and a half yards. Nobody needs to hear my sob story, so I'll spare the details. But just in general, open question to the group. Uh, Hitman, I know last week we talked about when to go back to the well and when that might be insanity, expecting different results, doing the same thing time and time again. I feel like some of these props I've been seeing negative variance. And at the same time, to your point last week, it's important to do some self-scouting. So when I look at this, scoring is down across the league. Defenses are inviting the run. We're seeing a rushing game renaissance, and yet it feels like I can't win a quarterback passing yards under prop to save my life these days. Is it just small sample size variance, or is there anything to that when you try to reconcile these contrasting dynamics? You'd really have to do a hard uh, data research project and just look at, say, hey, what was the closing line on these quarterbacks over under pass yards and go back and see what's it coming out to for the season long on the over under. I know that historically betting the unders have been more profitable than betting the overs, but I feel like this year more than ever, a lot of the opening lines and the market has shaped up the numbers to where you really can't just blindly play unders anymore. So I will say uh, as far as betting quarterback under pass yards goes, just in general, the unders have not had as much value this year, probably the least amount of value that they've ever had just because these lines are getting sharper. So I would say that that's a potentially a reason why just betting unders on these quarterbacks has not been profitable, but at the same time, it's not stopping me from, from betting an under if I happen to like one. All right. Well, let's see what you happen to like as we talk some week five games with prop betting opportunity. I'd like to start with Seahawks at the Saints because statistically speaking, Geno Smith has been elite to start the season. Hitman, I want to ask if you think he really is anywhere near as good as those numbers would indicate. And if so, how does that reshape your outlook on some Seattle offensive player props? I mean, I think he's a lot better than I thought for sure. Is he as good as like number one and QBR, which is around, I think what he is right now. No, but he's, I've been proven wrong on him. Whereas when I was betting against Joe Flacco early in the year, I'm still convinced that Flacco is not a good quarterback, but Gino's played better. There's no doubt about it. I, uh, one thing to monitor for his props is that he's really taken advantage of some good matchups this year. And when he did play San Francisco and did play Denver, in his last six quarters against those teams, it's been really ugly. So I think that this week against at least a decent Saints defense, it's going to be a test and we're going to learn a lot about him. And I'd probably lean to his unders just because of that sample size. When he did go against better defenses, he did struggle a bit more. And also I keep saying this, but Pete Carroll is a guy that does want to run the ball ideally, but it's it's probably something I don't end up betting, but I could only look towards the unders on Gino. But um, actually, uh, this usually doesn't correlate, but I was looking at the overs on DK Metcalf because when Metcalf has faced man coverage, 
he is getting the targets for this for the Seahawks at a very 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 high clip. So I I probably I could look towards the over on the Metcalf on 61 and a half receiving yards. Got it. Yeah, I'm taking a look at my bet stamp odd screen. Jacob may be a step ahead of me, and, and that might be what the YouTube audience is seeing in real time uh, when this video gets published. Yeah, I'm seeing DK up a couple 61 and a half still out there, but also some 63 and a half. So it does seem to be moving in an upward direction. Is there a point at which you lose interest in DK Metcalf receiving yards over this week? I haven't even bet it yet. So it's one of those things that's just on my monitor at 61 and a half. Obviously, the devil's advocate on the play would say that, well, you're going against Marshawn Lattimore, who's probably going to travel with DK. But, I mean, Stephon, not Stephon Diggs, excuse me, another Vikings receiver, Justin Jefferson, had a big game against Lattimore last week. So it's something, let's call it a strong lean right now. It would be Geno under and uh, DK Metcalf over, which I know doesn't correlate, but I think that those are um, at least we'll give them, we'll, we'll say they're leans at the moment. From a couple of strong leans to a couple of strong conviction bets, I know you have in this next game we'll talk about Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Let's start with Josh Allen's rushing yards. I know that on the dream preview this week, there was discussion of why he might have value going under. At the time, that line was 44 and a half. And the number is down to 40 and a half at this stage. So that's a different equation. But the handicap makes sense. If we think about the game script, Bill's favored by two touchdowns. They might want to play it safe if they have a big lead and not risk putting Josh Allen in harm's way. Also, the Steelers run defense, not that great. So the Bills might be able to do plenty of damage on the ground with their running backs alone, not needing to lean on Allen quite as heavily in this one. But again, with the number down to 40 and a half, do you see any meat left on the bone if we're thinking about Josh Allen rushing yards toward the under? I do. Um, Josh Allen's went over this number, I think, in eight of his last nine games. So that that would really concern you. But Josh Allen is a guy that's going to run in high leverage situations. And if you look at their recent schedule, going back to last year, the last game of the season when he went over in the regular season, it was for the division title. So high leverage game. Then there was two playoff games for the Buffalo Bills this week or this season. They opened the season against the Rams in a pick em game, high leverage game, first game of the year. They had the Miami game, which was a huge game for the division. They had the Baltimore game, another huge game. So he's been in all these high leverage games recently. And look at one game recently where you're like, oh, well, what game did he go under? It was that Titans game. They're 10 and a half point favorites against the Titans. He ran the ball one time in that game. They absolutely blew him out. So in a game script that probably isn't going to require him to run much, I think that Josh Allen under rush yards is, is a really good look. And one little other nugget is that Sean McDermott said he's not happy with Josh Allen being the team's leading rusher. Said that in a press conference this week. What does that mean? You're a 14-point favorite. Maybe you're not going to run him as much. And if you're going to be running the ball, you're going to try to get these running backs going. So I, I still like Josh Allen under rush yards. Is there a point down to which you like him? And if it continues to plummet any further, you might have to draw the line somewhere in the mid to high 30s. Yeah, like 38 and a half is probably where I'm stopping. And th this number was at 40, 
was as high as 44 and a half. Uh, I was betting at 42 and a half. It's now to 40 and a half. If it goes down another two yards or so, then it's the moment we just got to, we got to um, just look away and pass the game. But, you know, on a more public player like Josh Allen and a prop that he's went over at a very high rate, you never know. There could be buyback and it could end up getting bet up again. And then you could go play the under. And if you're looking at Josh Allen not to run as much in this game, it would stand to reason that you might expect him to be throwing quite a bit. So tell us about what you're looking for from the rest of the Bills offense in this one from a prop betting perspective. Oh, man, it's crazy. This game is going to be my most heavily bet Sunday prop game of the entire season. And the primetime games, I say Sunday game, Sunday 1 to 4 o'clock, Slate because the primetime games always get more attention. There's more options to bet. More books are taking bets on it. So those are always my highest um, risk games. But I love this game from a prop perspective. Um, look at the Bills receivers outside. They have Stefan Diggs. They have Gabe Davis. Can you even name right now who's going to be at receiver for Buffalo? Uh, are you probably thinking Isaiah McKenzie? He's likely out and send the concussion protocol. Thinking, oh, uh, Jamison Crowder, he's out for the season. Jake Kumaro, their fifth receiver, is out for this game. And their starting tight end, Dawson Knox, is out for this game. And this isn't a team. I know McDermott said, hey, we're going to look. We want to get the run game going on players that are not named Josh Allen. But this is still a team that's going to have a very, very high throw rate. So Josh Allen right now is projected for 275 passing yards. Who's getting the targets? It's going to be a condensed target share, and I like a lot Stefan Diggs over 80 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Pittsburgh also has injuries in the secondary to some of their corners. Fitzpatrick, their safety, and Edmonds, their safety, potentially not 100%. So I think that Diggs is going to get one of the highest target shares of the entire season. And then Gabe Davis, that number is going up as we speak right now. I know before we started, I said I love him over 46 and a half. I'm seeing 48 and a half at a lot of spots. I think it's good at least to maybe 52 and a half, 53 and a half. Gabe Davis was lined in the high 50s in week one against the Rams, went over and a high, an ankle sprain has been derailing his last two games. But one, the target share is just that there's nobody else to throw the ball to. And two, Wednesday, full practice. Thursday, full practice. Friday, practice report hasn't come out. I'd anticipate it being a full practice if he was full on Wednesday and Thursday. So Gabe, with Gabe Davis getting healthy now, I think that that's a great play. And when we're looking at a lot of exposure on the Bills, Josh Allen rushing yards under might indicate he'll be more pass-heavy perhaps. Stephon Diggs over, Gabe Davis over. That's a lot stacking up to a pretty correlated game script. And on the off chance that it doesn't pan out for Buffalo here, that could leave some betters overextended. So from a bankroll management perspective, I know that you have quite a bit of conviction with these bets, but just to make sure that you're limiting your risk of ruin, so to speak, how would you go about allocating your bankroll across these three different props between Allen rush yards under and Diggs and Davis receiving yards over? Yeah, I mean, obviously... If, say, Josh Allen had a bad game throwing, then your two receivers could go under. And, I mean, it's so it's semi-correlated 
in that. And maybe if he has a bad game throwing, he looks to run more and you, you go 0 and 3. Could happen, but it's really it it's a situation that's really dependent on your bankroll. For me, uh, as I've accumulated a bigger and bigger bankroll over the years, um, on props, it's almost I can never bet enough. It's just what can I get down? And I'm just looking to get as much as possible down because it's usually not fully satisfying my appetite, usually. Um, for the normal person, I mean, I, I'd say – you could stick to the two. You're probably betting two percent of your bankroll on props or something like that. I, I think you could stick to it. Don't go. Maybe you don't go absolutely crazy. I know I said I love the Gabe Davis over, so maybe if you were gonna bet that for three percent or whatever, maybe you stick to two percent because the the digs in Davis just in case Josh Allen has a bad game or something happens and you go zero and two on those, but. It's really a personal question. It's it's a personal decision is the way I would put it. And you just got to know what your bankroll is. Plenty to think about when Buffalo has the ball in this one. What about the other side of the ball? The Steelers giving Kenny Pickett his first career start. How does that shake up what you look at from the Pittsburgh side of things on the prop betting menu? So the Pittsburgh Steelers have been saying for two, three weeks, we need to throw the ball downfield. That's what they want to do. And Mitch Trubisky just wasn't doing it. Kenny Pickett came into the game, had the highest average depth of target of any quarterback in the second half. A third of his throws were over 20 yards, air yards. So Kenny Pickett's going to do what the Steelers want him to do, it looks like, which is throw the ball deep. So that brings up some opportunities. And I think that the guy that brings up a lot of opportunities for is George Pickens. He's a guy that a lot of people have said, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if he took over for Deontay Johnson as the wide receiver one. This year, I'm not saying it's going to happen and the people in the fantasy community aren't saying it's going to happen, but it's it's not outside the realm of possibilities. And Pickett targeted Pickens more than any receiver in the second half last year. Pickens runs the most go routes or what has one of the highest rates of go routes in the entire league. So he's running those high a dot routes. Kenny. So for me, George Pickens over 38 and a half receiving yards was a bet and George Pickens over 18 and a half longest reception to get a little bit. Again, that's a correlated play. Probably going to go two and oh, probably, or you're going to go oh and two. So don't go crazy if your bankroll can't withstand it. But for me, that, that was a, a way to get a little bit more exposure on Pickens this week. Sounds good on both sides of the ball. A lot to work with here in this Steelers Bills game. Big point spread, but there might be plenty of intrigue in the later stages, even if Buffalo has pulled away with a sizable lead. And the next game we'll talk about also has a substantial favorite. That would be the Bucks hosting Atlanta. Tampa Bay was a really good teaser look earlier this week. They have been steamed well out of teaser territory at this point. The consensus line currently Tampa Bay minus 10. So Hitman, if anybody missed the best of the number for the Bucks against the spread or in teasers, do you see any prop betting opportunity that might still be available for somebody looking to play on Tampa Bay against a Falcons team that might have a bit of regression coming after a favorable schedule to start their season? I bet a lot of Leonard Fournette unders. I bet him under rush yards, under total yards, under receiving yards. Uh, receiving was 27 and a half, I believe. I like it down to maybe 25 and a half. 
Um, Fournette rushing was 70 and a half. I like it down to probably the mid 60s. And the total yards, I believe I played under 100 and a half. Um, it's more about Rashad White is playing more snaps. Leonard Fournette himself said that he thinks that Rashad White needs to play more so they could preserve Lenny for the entire season. Um, I know we gave out Leonard Fournette under rush yards last week on this podcast. And I'll tell you what, if you're giving out, uh, I hate to pat myself on the back and I'm never going to, I'd rather talk about my losses. And anybody that follows me on Twitter knows I like to talk about my losses, but if we're betting Fournette under, what was it? 66 and a half rush yards. Win it by 69 and a half yards. Won by (laughs) 69 and a half rush yards. That. That's a bet. I'll give myself a pat on the back for once. But um, I think that the well Fournette deserved. unders are, are good again. For it's a, it's a good matchup in the rushing department. I won't deny that. The Falcons have a bad run defense. But I just think that we're going to see more Rashad White. And what a perfect game to preserve Lenny yeah, as a 10-point favorite right now against the Falcons. So, and, and, and for the Fournette receiving that I was speaking about, Rashad White is known as a pass catching back coming out of college too. And Fournette was not running as many routes as he's been accustomed to last week. So even though he went over that receiving easily last week, I think that we're going to see some regression on that. And again, 10 point favorites, probably not going to have a lot of throwing in the second half. I will note that when, Fournette comes to mind here. If people see my eyes darting off screen, I've got, again, the, the bet stamp player props menu on my other monitor here. And Fournette receiving yardage is now down to 23 and a half, pretty much across the board. I'm seeing it as low as 21 and a half. So you mentioned about 25 and a half being the cutoff. Maybe that's better off to pass. Again, the best handicap in the world needs to be matched with the proper price. So it sounds like receiving has been pretty much wiped out. Rush yards, however, you said that while you betted at 70 and a half, you saw value to the mid 60s. Looks like 67 and a half still widely available as we record. So that could be a good look. I want to ask you about his total yardage. A lot of books offering rushing plus receiving yards for a guy like Fournette. You mentioned 100 and a half. The consensus that I'm seeing is 95 and a half at this stage. What's your cutoff for Fournette total yardage to go under? 95 and a half is probably my cutoff. If you see that number, I, I wouldn't be opposed to a, an underplay, but that's the lowest I'm going to go to. Rush yards, though, has a little bit of, of breathing room, I think. You could go about two yards less than what we, we're currently seeing in market. Got it. Yeah, so if it's about 65 and a half, then that might still have um, some value to that stage. So good stuff on Fournette with the Bucks being a big favorite. It just sounds like if there's another back that's going to take on more of a lead role, understood if Tampa Bay is nursing a big lead here, they don't want to use Fournette too much in a workhorse capacity when they can use him later on in the season and most likely some tighter contests. So we'll keep an eye on that one, see how the sequel to last week's dominant Fournette under rushing yards played out. I want to turn the page to another game featuring one of the better teams in Florida. That would be Miami going to play the Jets on the road. And Hitman, you mentioned that you like Miami minus three against the spread. And for people who might have missed the best of the number, that's gotten pretty juicy. I think some three and a halfs might even be out there before too long if they're not already when people are watching or listening to this show. If people want to get down on Miami or fade the Jets in some way here, but they missed the best number against the spread, any prop angles standing out to you on the Dolphins side of things? 
Not not a ton. I will say that I think that the move from Tua to Teddy is not going to affect these the Miami skill players much. So if that's in your handicap, I, I think that Tua and Waddle, or excuse me, Tyreek and Waddle are still going to get fed the rock. So that, that that's what I'd have to say about the Miami one. And the Jets wouldn't be opposed to maybe a Michael Carter under rush yards. It's a game where I like Miami which would mean that the Jets would be throwing more theoretically in the second half. Uh, Brees Hall looked like he might have really taken that backfield for the Jets. So not opposed to a Michael Carter under 32 and a half-ish rush yards, which I think is market right now, although I have not. 30 and a half. 30 and a half. Yeah, I mean, I just call it a strong lean. Fair enough. Well, plenty of conviction plays in prior games, so we will move on to the late window on Sunday. San Francisco, Carolina. Hitman, this might be a quick one. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the Niners now being down to their third string left tackle. How do you think that affects their offense from a prop betting standpoint? Say the game again, Matt. San Francisco, Carolina. With the Niners down to their third string left tackle. Got you. Well, I, I spoke last week about how Jimmy G, how they weren't throwing and they had the second lowest pass rate over expectation. You know, it's another game that, I'd lean towards the Jimmy G unders. Um, this did get bet up. It opened at 212. It's got bet up. And I'm looking at maybe potential. Let's see how high it goes. It's not an official bet right now, but if it gets a little higher, potential under spot for me. Um, Carolina, they you know, underratedly, their defense is pretty good. And I think that it's a game that the Niners know they can just absolutely control this game as long as they don't turn the ball over and their defense is going to dominate. And it's really one of the defensive mismatches of the entire season with this 49ers defense going against Carolina, Carolina's offense. So I think that it's a game that you could theoretically see some pretty low Jimmy G passing volume. When I look at Jimmy G's projections right now for passing yards, anywhere in the range of 220.5 to 224.5, um, if this bumps up a bit more, is there a certain number at which you do get much more interested in pulling the trigger? Yeah, mid-220s is something that I would start to get interested in. That That's what his line closed against the Rams last week. And this is a, a spot that I just think that Jimmy G isn't going to have to throw much. So not an official play, but just a monitor the line type play. Sounds good. Well, let's move on to primetime. One more game to throw your way. The Bengals at the Ravens, probably the most intriguing matchup of the week, taking place on Sunday Night Football. And Hitman on edge rush earlier this week, you mentioned the Ravens' pass options could be quite limited due to the Rashad Bateman injury. And I know that with Bateman's status for this game, that can make things iffy in terms of what's available at this stage from a Ravens prop betting standpoint. But if Bateman can't go or is severely hampered, how does that affect your outlook from a prop betting standpoint across the Ravens offense? It, help, it helps Mark Andrews a lot. The only thing is uh, Andrews, it's been bet into. It was 64 and a half and it's been, it's been bet up. So, but it, that that's probably the guy that I think it, it would, um, it would help out. Um, one of the things I was looking at, uh, I was, I was looking towards Joe Burrows potentially over pass yards. I think that's in the, low to mid 270s mm -hmm. right now he absolutely shredded this defense last year now I know everybody's going to say well Wink Martindale was the coordinator and he blitzed them all the time but Baltimore's defense is still 
given up big games this year. Uh, the Josh Allen one, they probably would have given up a big game if the weather didn't really impact that game. And Joe Flacco threw for over 300 yards. Tua had a ginormous game against them. And the Bengals have been unable to run the ball recently, one of the least effective rushing teams in the entire NFL. So theoretically, and I know there's a lot of sharp guys that are in Baltimore, minus three, minus three. three and a half in this game. So theoretically, if the game script does require that, that um, Cincinnati's going to get down, I could see uh, a case being made for a Joe Burrow potential pass over. Sounds like uh, something, again, maybe a strong lean at this point hasn't been fired upon just yet. Do you think that if we see some more money come in on the Ravens against the spread, that might have an impact on the Joe Burrow passing yardage total? And if so, is there a number at which you do go ahead and get in play on Burrow passing yards over? It's a it's right around the number right now. It's a consideration for me. It's just something that I, I got to do a little bit more work on to, to see if I ultimately end up firing. There's just so many props every single week. You can only put so much brain power towards a one prop. It's it's there's literally hundreds of options each week. So Right now, it's just a consideration, but with the Baltimore spread, I, I figure it probably closes around a, an expensive three, minus three, 120. Well, you've put plenty of brain power into that Steelers-Bills game alone. I feel like that could have been a full show in and of itself, so glad we got to touch on a handful of other games as well. And Hitman, at this stage, let's lock in some picks for the Props and Hops NFL Week 5 Portfolio anything you'd like to go ahead and make official from a prop betting standpoint for this week? Let's make George Pickens over 38 and a half receiving yards an official play. Let's go with Stefan Diggs. What are we seeing right now? 81 and a half receiving yards on Diggs. Uh, Jacob, if you can beat me to that one, let me know what you're seeing. Yeah, let me, let me have a look right now. I think it was at 78 and a half. Uh, yeah, just I'm seeing anywhere here. from, yeah, I'm seeing as low as 76 and a half, but consensus is more in the 81 and a half range. Let's, let's go with over 81 and a half. And I'm still seeing Gabe Davis over 48 and a half receiving yards up right now. Really like that play as well. So all three official plays we're going to do in the Buffalo game. Love it. All right. Well, I will be watching that one with a keen eye. I will go ahead and uh, just follow you on Gabe Davis in particular. I know that we were aligned on Dalvin Cook a couple weeks ago to go over his rushing yardage total. And even though he sustained an injury and missed the end of that game, he had gone over in the nick of time. So hopefully, again, with the two of us seeing eye to eye, Gabe Davis over 48 and a half will make that a consensus play. And then I'll, I'll talk teasers again. I know they are one in three on this show through four weeks. And I wanted to address the general approach before getting to specifics this week. I've finally come around on the fact that, you know, early season variants, we've seen it in Survivor a lot, especially this year, a lot of big favorites going down. I think that's affected teasers as well. We just don't have enough of a sample size to, to really trust point spreads early in the season to the extent that we can later in the season. So I think one of my takeaways from some early season teaser struggles in 2022, moving forward, I'm going to look to reduce my staking early in the season and gradually increase it as the season progresses and we get more confidence in just how good a lot of these teams are. Hitman, wanted to get your thoughts on that to see if that made sense, not just having a certain unit size 
for a specific bet type like a teaser, but even over the course of the season, adjusting that unit size because teasers are all about trying to reduce variance. And the more we know about teams, the less volatile we're probably going to see the result when it comes to outcomes of teasing teams six points in either direction of the spread. Makes perfect sense. You'd rather do the teasers later in the year when you are more confident that that closing line, and that's part of the reason people say you should tease closer to game time, is that you're more confident that the closing line is the correct number, which gives the teaser value because there's less variance. So it's the same thing when it goes later into the season. Later into the year, teasers are usually better plays, and there's a lot of great teaser legs. I know the Tampa one's gotten away, but I still think a Green Bay, Minnesota one's a great look. Yeah, it's like you're reading my mind. I've got that down on the sheet here. The Packers minus two against the Giants in London, paired with the Vikings minus one and a half hosting Chicago. Again, the math, we don't need to beat a dead horse crossing through those key numbers of seven and three. From a handicapping standpoint, Daniel Jones looking like he's going to go on Sunday, but his mobility is probably going to be limited, and that could really affect him and the way this Giants offense operates. Also, I think the Giants are pretty misleading three and one. Nobody seems to think they're anywhere close to an above average team. Apologies, Jacob, uh, for raining on your parade with that note. But I think if the Giants had a record more in the two and two range or perhaps one and three, that would align with where a lot of people have them power rated. And that might have this game priced out of teaser territory. So, so just another nudge to go ahead and get down on the Packers here. And when it comes to the Vikings, I just think that the Bears are not built to play from behind. They can do some pretty good things on the ground, but if it becomes Justin Fields needing to find whatever weapons he has in the passing game, that should suit the Vikings pretty well to protect a lead if and when they have one. So, Hitman, I was going to ask for your thoughts on this teaser, but it sounds like those are probably your two favorite legs on the board right now. I've also heard talk of teams like the Chiefs and the Jags, who right now are still at seven, so we wouldn't be crossing through the seven. But if there's optimism that those point spreads go up, then it could be a case of, you, okay, you might tease down to one and come game day, you could be getting six and a half points for the price of six if and when those teams close favored by more than a touchdown. So any thoughts on any legs right now beyond the Packers and Vikings? I think the Chiefs one is another great look. Um, the only one that I didn't do was Jacksonville. I just think a little bit of a higher variance team. We haven't seen them in this big favorite role. Kind of want to say it before I believe it, but I think that those three teams make great legs to mix and match. All right. From the teasers to the props, especially in Steelers bills, a lot of opportunity on the week five board right now. That's about all we can do at this stage. So I want to wrap up and let everybody know that they can find Hitman on Twitter at Hitman428. And if you've enjoyed his insight on this show, make sure to also check him out on Edge Rush, where he talks side and total for every game on the board alongside NFL handicapper Cleve TA and host Chris Abbott. You can catch Edge Rush in podcast form every Wednesday night or Thursday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. And on my end, you can find me on Twitter at MLandis18. I also want to give a quick plug here to the Always Betting podcast uh, hosted by the guys with the Banfield group. I was invited to join their show this week, and we just had a blast. I know on Props and Hops, we get a little bit more analytical, and I hope that that adds value to the audience's betting decisions on a weekly basis. But on Always Betting, it's a lot of lifestyle. We talk contests, Las Vegas breweries. So we brought to the hops to the forefront at various times in the show. I'll go ahead and link to that in the show notes as well if people want to check out that conversation. And sticking with props and hops, Jacob and I, we will be right back here with Suma for Between the Lines on Wednesday. Same podcast feed, same YouTube channel. We'll be taking a look at the most meaningful line movement for week six in the NFL. 
But until then, everybody, enjoy week five. Best of luck if you join along for that Bill Steelers game, and we will catch you next week. Ups and ups and ups and ups and ups.